Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swandingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. And welcome back to another episode of the Swan Dingo Files, where the dango ate your baby. Today I have a special guest, Christina, a teacher, and also of some very, very valuable lessons for some of us with veterans with PTSD, and also some of the advantages to homeschooling and how she can also help the parents teach. So how are you doing today, Christina? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me today. So I just want to get into it. Um, so why do, why would you do teaching considering it's, you know, it can be a very, uh, it's not a glamorous profession as some would say, even though I think it's very important. I think it should be paid more than NBA players personally because you do more. Um, but you know, it's just one of those professions you don't get a lot of acknowledgement, I guess you say from people anymore. Well, for me, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I have this story that I walked in my second grade classroom and I looked at my second grade teacher and I fell in love with her. And when I left that year, I told her, I'm coming back after I graduate college and I'm taking your job. And that's exactly what I did. I was able to go through the school system, um, graduate out the other side. And my first year back, I was able to go back and teach at my original elementary school. My second grade teacher was still there. She was teaching for one more year, and then she retired. So I got to teach with her for one year, and then I helped her retire. And so I kind of took her spot, but not really. But I always had this passion for teaching and learning and helping other people. Um, all three of my brothers had some learning disabilities, difficulties. They were having a hard time going through school. And so luckily I was blessed with a brain that worked in the school setting. And so I was able to help them along as well. And all through, you know, middle school, high school, I would be in those groups that would help other kids learn and develop and things like that. So teaching has always been a passion. And when I first started teaching, it was a lot different than what it is now. We had a little bit more of that glory, a little bit more of that glamour when I first started teaching 27 years ago. And then, unfortunately, a lot of things have changed through the system, through the parents, through our society, things like that. And I did the best I could for, like I said, 27 years. And then it's finally is like I can't do this anymore because I'm not reaching the parents and the families and the kids the way I used to be able to reach them and help them. And so I knew it was time for me to kind of branch out and do my own thing and help parents in a different way. Why do you think that, that that's happened? Uh, is it just not the parents not involved enough or maybe one parent not or only having one parent anymore? A lot of it has to do with that. Um, you know, we always say, you know, you ask somebody how they're doing and the key word is almost always, oh, we're so busy. Exactly. Our lives have gotten so filled with so many different things and two parents working, the parent not staying home with the kids, the busy sports, the busy activities, the long hours at work. All of that has created, you know, kind of what our families need, that consistency, that schedule, those things. And so unfortunately, it's been a societal change a lot. 
Yeah. So how how many years did you do uh, in per or I guess in classroom? I almost said in person in classroom teaching. Mm-hmm. How so, many? Yeah, okay. I was in classroom in the building for 25 years. And then the last two years of my teaching career, I was actually online. And that was during COVID, but it wasn't because of COVID. I actually got transferred to an online school, and that online school is there all of the time. And when I got transferred to that school, it's like, wait a second. I'm able to reach out to parents and teach and work with their kids and the parents at the same time. And it was that little light bulb that kind of clicked is like, that's what the model of vibrant family education needs to be. And that's what I'm doing now. So it's a hybrid homeschool, online school. And so whenever the parents were at that online school with me the last two years, I actually ended up doing more coaching of the parents than teaching of the kids because, of course, they were with them more at the house. But I was able to also teach online when those kids were struggling or when the kids needed extra help. And, you know, some of the basic lessons and things, but the combination, the teamwork between me and the parents, it was so amazing. It's like, yes, that's what a lot more of our families need. So are you able to, how much in a particular week, how much do the kids spend on, on, uh, online or with their parents compared to like just strictly online schooling? Right. So when they were doing the COVID schooling, they would try to have the kids online with the teachers like three, four hours a day. And that's too much for almost anybody, too much screen time. The online school is set up that most of the lessons are on the computer, but you're not in front of a live teacher. Instead, it's videos and activities and things like that that kind of help the kids learn. And then the parents are double checking with the homework and things like that. And then I would come in at two or three different times during the day and do a reading lesson to make sure that, that we were getting the reading lesson down. Then I do the math lesson and make sure we got it down. I do the writing lesson and make sure we get that down. And so it was really a nice flow back and forth where the kids weren't on the computer as much as whenever they were trying to do everything online. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it, no, it does. Cause, uh, of course, like, like we we're talking before, I got six kids. I only dealt with three during COVID, right. thankfully only three, and yeah. that's, trust me out, they were just sitting on a computer, they were getting these assignments, I didn't understand the software that they were using, right. we got no teaching ourselves, mm-hmm. and our kids are just sitting in, um, well, we had a sunroom, all three of them just, they were on a computer almost all day long, and it's it like, on. yeah, exactly, well, it's like, that's, that, that's burnout for a kid's brain, you can't, I mean, and that's just leading to more kids wanting to be on mm-hmm. iPads and computers, stuff like that, because that's all they did during the whole time. Exactly. And that's the model that I really want to make sure that we are exploring and helping parents build is that, yes, there's online components. They learn online. They check in with their teachers online. Maybe they do some testing online. But then they're offline, hands-on. They're actually writing on paper. They're actually building projects. They're actually going out and exploring. There's so much more to school than just sitting in front of a computer and watching videos and filling out worksheets. And that's the bigger model of Vibrant Family is making sure that we're learning through experiences. We're following family values. We're really looking at how the child learns best because some children – Watching videos, they pick up things just like this, right, really fast. 
other kids, they have to actually put the pencil to the paper and do it to get it, right? And then other kids need to actually experience. They need to go build. And so you as a parent know usually the way your child learns the best. Yeah, public schools nowadays, just I mean, for majority of states, I don't want to say all states, but majority of the states, it's all just end-of-year test-driven. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, which doesn't work for, I'd probably say, well over 75% of the kids. Right. Probably doesn't work that way for them anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or they just put on medication and like, here you go. Yeah. Good luck. And that, does, that doesn't work either. No. <laughs> Children need to have their brain breaks. They need to move around. I mean, one of the things I talk about with my families a lot is the homework debate. So parents are like, well, no, they need to come home from school and they need to sit down and do their homework immediately. And I'm like, hold on a second. Think about how their brain is developed. Think about how much exertion they've already put out trying to be good during the day, trying to absorb as much as they can. And then you're asking them to come and sit down at the table immediately and do their homework. Does that really make sense? And a lot of parents, their eyes fly open. It's like, oh, no, wait a second. It's like, no. If you talk to me about homework, it should be they come home. They get a break. They either go play, they go read, they go do it, build with blocks, they do an activity that helps them relax. Maybe they need 20 minutes in the room all by themselves because they've been inundated with noise and sound all day long and they just need quiet space, right? After they've had that break and they've had a snack because think about blood sugar. Blood sugar has to be stable for us to be able to be learning as well. They have a good snack. They've had a break. Then it might be time to sit down and do some homework, right? But you don't want to do that immediately because they're already stressed out. They need that little bit of downtime before it's time to do the homework. Well, I just learned something because uh, actually my yeah, it's in fifth grade this year, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I, I feel I sound like a bad parent, but I have six kids. People, please forgive me. No. Uh, yeah, he's in fifth grade this year. Um, his teacher never sends him home with homework. All, all he ever gets is reading. Yeah. And that's all he gets. She's like, she doesn't believe in sending him home with more work after he's been in school all day. And when she said it, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. But the way you just put it, just made it more crystal clear. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're very welcome. And when I was in the classroom, I did send him homework, but it was always review or extra practice. So they weren't trying to learn something new because that's not appropriate to send something brand new that a child doesn't know or hasn't been taught, right, or the parents don't understand. But they also need to build those habits. What do we expect kids to do, adults to do, to finish assignments, to be a scheduler, to be able to, you know, follow through with something, and if they don't have the practice with homework where it doesn't matter if they really mess up, you know, if they can't build those skills on something that doesn't cost anything, what's going to happen when suddenly they do have those responsibilities, they haven't practiced, and they don't know how to do it? Mm-hmm. You, just, you just opened my brain up to a lot more things. I, okay. I guess I never thought of any of this that way. I was, you know, my way back in school didn't work for me, but I thought that's the way it was supposed to be because right. I did drop out of high school. Uh-huh. I did go on to college later on while I was in the military, but right. I mean, I guess I guess it's, our education system is basically broken for how many decades now? Uh, too many, unfortunately, because like I said, it, it was working kind of okay when I started 27 years ago, but within seven years, I was already seeing the breakdown, the deterioration, the changes that needed to happen that weren't happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you are you doing this whole thing on your own, or do you have staff? Currently, I am solo. Um, my husband and I are founders of Vibrant Family Education, 
And um, we're still building, so we don't have a lot of families that we're working with yet, but we are looking to expand. Um, currently, we're focusing on getting ki- uh, kindergarten through fifth grade level. But as soon as I get those families who need those higher levels, I'll be bringing in extra staff, extra teachers to help do this with us. Yeah. And what are key points you talk are you teach or talk with and teach the parents about you know their, for their part? Right, exactly. Well, part of the thing that we want to do with vibrant family education is to also make sure that we're rounding out the whole child. So, you know, it's not just education. So we talk to parents about, like we just did about homework and scheduling. What is super important in your family to help the schedule, the way the child learns work well for you and your child, right? Because that's super important. Also, one thing that we've been learning a lot about is brain development and personality traits. And so we talk to families a little bit also about the way their child learns because of their brain and also their personality. So you heard of introvert and extrovert, right? Well, in school, you pretty much have to be an extrovert. You have to be out there. You have to be going, 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 right? Or else you're the shy kid. You're the one that gets picked on, things like that. And my husband and I were actually both those very shy kids. And we thought there was something wrong with us the whole time we were growing up. Like, why can't we baby bite like those kids? You know, but it was too much for us to do that. And so then as adults and we're looking back at the system, it's like we need to tell our kids that it's okay to be like that. And these are some things you can do to stretch yourself to be successful in other ways. Or these are the things that you can do to go and do an activity and then come and take care of yourself. So we're trying to build that whole child picture into vibrant education. And so that's a lot of the family coaching that we do is trying to help parents understand and build those systems in place so that they can be successful in their education. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of parents, and I think that's where I struggle too. Um, I, I can lead privates in the middle of, in the Army. Yeah. But when it comes to my kids – you know, I can't take that same mentality towards a child that I do with, you know, a brand new private, you know, E1 in the Army. Completely different, and it doesn't work, I found out, and it's very difficult for me. But that kind of leads me into my next part. Yeah. The three, what was it, the three, sorry, That's what okay. was it again? Three ways to kind of help prevent the trauma from attaching to your child or impacting your child. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. you know, military, we, you know, we go deploy training exercises. We're gone from the family. We're back. You know, that year for the Army, we deploy for generally a year at a time. You know, other branches around six months at a time. But either way, it's a long time to be away from kids, family. Yeah. Kids grow. Um, they develop new habits. You're not the same person. And you're not really the same person either. So yeah. if you can tell me a little bit more about that, please. Absolutely. So there's three different things that I really focus on. The first one is communication. And the second one is actually kind of counterintuitive because it's called air your dirty laundry. And the third thing is actually scheduling. So let's go through each of those. The first one is communication. And that's where I learned in my classroom that whenever I walked into the room, no matter how I was feeling, my kids usually kind of um, picked up on it, right? Actually, let's take that back. That's number two. Number one, I pick on their moods. Okay, so my kids would come into my classroom, and maybe they were super quiet compared to the way they usually are. Maybe they would break down crying when something wasn't going right with an assignment. Maybe they would start picking and you know fighting with their neighbor. At the, and as a teacher who knows your kids, 
you know there's something wrong. You know, that, you know that's not the normal behavior. And so then I would pick up the phone and call home and say, hey, mom and dad, what's going on? Because your kiddo's behavior has changed. And lots of times they would tell me, oh, well, grandma's been in the hospital, so we've been staying late. You know, they aren't getting enough sleep or, oh, they're super, super excited because at the end of the month, we're going to Disneyland, right? Or, oh, well, yeah, our dog is really, really sick and they might not make it much longer. And so those things, of course, impact the child. They didn't think about telling me. And then as a teacher, I'm trying to deal with a change in behavior and trying academics. And I wasn't being able to support that child with those emotions that they were trying to deal with. So the first one is communication. If your child is in an education setting, you know, talk to the educator. Let them know. At the beginning of the school year, please get an email address, get a text link, get a phone number, whatever you need. So if something like that comes up, you can just shoot that teacher a message and let them know. Because then instead of the child getting in trouble for their behavior, they're getting the support they need to be able to handle those emotions. And the teachers also may be able to, like, adjust some um, assignments or adjust some expectations. Now, the key with that, though, is don't take the expectations away. Because if you take everything away, oh, you know, you're having a bad day, so you don't have to do any assignments. You can just sit and read all day. Or, oh, you're having a bad day, you know, don't worry about that assignment. We'll just rip that one up. Now you're telling your child you can't handle it or I can give up whenever I want. So it's not take the expectations away. It's called adjust the expectations. So number one is making sure you're communicating with that educator, the person who's with your child, you know, the other majority amount of the time, right, so that they can help support and the child doesn't get beaten down in that situation. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. I never thought of it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Kids going to school, they're, you know, they're out of their element due to some life event that has happened. Exactly. And I guess at school, you always think your kid's going to should always act the same no matter what at school in front of, you know, their peers and their teachers. And, you know, just the littlest tiny thing can throw a kid off, and especially the young ones. And Especially the young ones, yeah. Oh, I know. I got a lot. And so if you're thinking about in a veteran or a military point of view, you know, you said you were put out on deployment. So all of a sudden you weren't there and your wife was trying to deal with all the kids without you kind of thing. So those kinds of heads up, if your educators don't know you're a military family, it's important to let them know, you know, we're having a change. Instead of having two parents at home for the next three, four weeks, months, whatever, now we're going to be single. So that way the parent, the teacher knows, you know, that change. So that with the educator is super important. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people really understand that. You know, parents leaving for, you know, a training, a training exercise can be a month long deployments anywhere from six months to a year. I know at one point it was up to 18 months for the army. Yeah. And, you know, that for a kid, that's a good chunk of their life. And then when you leave, they start to get adjusted to you not being there finally. Uh And then you come home and that's another adjustment for the kid that it's another disruptor in their life. So that leads into number two. Which I said, and you kind of laughed, it's called air your dirty laundry. 
So when I was in my classroom, it was really amazing. As I got to know my students, my students got to know me. If I walked into the room and I was super, super sad, they would pick up on it because I was I was a teacher who really tried to keep my personal life out because school time is academic time. They don't need to know a lot about me except that I care about them and I want them to be successful. But they could still pick up on the mood, right? If I walked into the room and I was super excited, super happy, they picked up on the mood. And it could change the whole direction of the day. If they were a super good class and they feel, realized I was kind of sad, they'd be super caring that day or super quiet that day and just really try to be really, really, you know, on task and everything, even more than normal. If they were kind of a rowdy crew, boom, they were gone. And I was working all day long to kind of bring them back in and kind of get them under control again. But so after a few years, I realized that it's okay to share at least a little bit. And so on those days that were super, super bad, and I talk about the day, um, the months that my father was in intensive care. He was dying of cancer. I had rough days. You know, I hear this person was I cared about. So um, I would talk to them and just say, Mrs. Havis having a sad day. You know, I appreciate you doing the best you can. And don't think it has to do with you. It's not from you. So I tell the parents the same thing. Talk to your kids. Air your dirty laundry a little bit, what they can handle. So if you're having a really, really bad day, tell them. Because otherwise, they're like, what did I do wrong? Why is mom and dad yelling at me? Did I mess up, right? They think it's them lots of times. They internalize it to them instead of realizing that there's other factors in the situation. So it's that's one of those things that, you know, it's really super important that when you're dealing with a huge trauma or a big family change, to have those communications, those talks, let them know. And then also give yourself grace, you know. You're going to blow up. You're going to have your bad day. You're going to yell. But then go talk to your kiddo. I apologize. I'm sorry. I should have handled it better. What can we do better next time kind of thing. But give yourself the grace, too, because you're dealing with a lot, especially, you know, PTSD, anxiety, whatever, knowing that you're going to be gone, whatever the triggers are for you. But let them know so they don't internalize it and think, oh, I'm the problem. Does that make sense? That is actually makes perfect sense. And I'm guilty of it blowing up on my kids. And I don't think I was doing it directly to them. Right. It's just it, it was something small. And I was already, you know, at that point where I was just done. And yeah. if it wasn't for my wife, I, I, she's taught me a lot. Um especially with speaking with the kids and like, hey, this is why, um, instead of just yelling at him, especially my autistic child, we yelling at him does absolutely nothing. Good. So yeah. she's taught me how to speak to them uh, at their level and to express, communicate and express emotion and when we're angry and just understand with them that, hey, I might just need a few minutes or an hour or two, just, you know, come at me later, I'll come back and... Exactly. Everything will be just fine. Yep. Or set up that time. I can't talk to you right now. I know I'm at my wit's end. Please come back in 20 minutes or we will talk about it at five o'clock tonight or for the little ones who don't can't tell time right after dinner. We'll talk about it, you know, so set up that time. Yeah, I call it the spidey sense. You know, the kids just know. Have you ever tried to keep like a vacation or something special hidden from them? They just know they just like there's something going on. <laughs> So, yeah, that's spidey sense is, it, is there in those kids especially. I can't hide anything from my kids. It doesn't matter what. 
<laughs> My wife doesn't help either, so. Right, exactly. So that takes us to the third thing. And the third way that I talk about how helping make sure that um, the trauma doesn't get passed on is actually to have a schedule, to actually have a routine. Because if you think about things, probably with your autistic child the most, if they know what's happening, if they know what the schedule is, if they have a routine, they're more settled because they're not always wondering what's happening next, right? Well, and then think about this. If you're having a really rough day, you're, you know, you've been triggered or whatever's going on, you're having a really rough day, do you want to try to think of what's next either? No, it's easier to have a schedule, have a routine that you can fall back on and just keep that schedule going, you know, and keep that momentum and that um, ease of flow going so that it's less emotional and less, you know, less up and down with you. So like kids and food. We talked a little while ago um, before the show that we talked about blood sugar levels. Think about it. We all know our body needs a certain blood sugar level. We know we need to have good food in us. And if our blood sugars are going up and down, our emotions most of the time are going up and down. We can handle less. Kids are even more susceptible to that lots of times. Sleep is the same way. Try to keep their sleep routine consistent as much as possible. Now, I'm not saying, you know, totally as strict as like the military schedule, right? But if they kind of know or they pretty much know this happens and then this happens in our household, everybody can fall back on that schedule and be kind of settled when those really bad days are happening. Yeah, and I think I need to get but We need to get on a better schedule than what we are, but we're not too far off, you know, bedtime, wake up time, you know, yeah. even down to brushing your teeth at what, you know, when you first get up, right. getting dressed, mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, my wife works too right now. So if she can't be here in time, you know, older brother steps up and kind of helps the littler ones, you know, right. get going. So it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of unique seeing how they kind of gel together with, mm-hmm. you know, the schedule, knowing that, hey, this is what we got to do. And if we get it done, hey, we can go play for 20, 30 minutes, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're building in those little um, automatic rewards, you know. Oh, hey, I'm on schedule. I got everything taken care of. Now there's this little pocket of time that's a little bit more free and open to go do something. Love it. Yep. It's a great way to do it. So um, how, how, how do people get a hold of you? Your social media, website, stuff like that? Exactly. So you can find Christina Hay Averett on Facebook. And um, we also have a website, vibrantfamilyeducation.com. So either place, Christina Hayaver on Facebook or vibrantfamilyeducation.com. That's our website. You can set up a parent-teacher conference. And I promise I'll be a nice teacher, not a mean teacher. And we'll talk about some of these kinds of things and see how I can maybe help you out. Um, or, you know, just maybe an education question, things like that. The other thing that um, my husband and I both do is we have a podcast called Bringing Education Home, and we have been collecting experts on reading, brain science, math, um, teen communication, all those different things. So if you want to check out our podcast, and again, you can just go to bringingeducationhome.com. That's our podcast. Go in, listen to some of those um, episodes, and see the value that hopefully we're bringing to parents as well. So let me ask you, so you've been a teacher for 27 total years now. Mm-hmm. How, do any of your students still contact you? 
They don't contact me, but it was always amazing whenever um, they would come back because I was teaching the younger grades, elementary, second and third grade the most. But when they would graduate, it was always such an amazing day when those seniors would walk in the building and say, hi, remember me? And they're like this big, right? And they're like talking to me and sharing all the things that they have planned in their life and things like that. Um, part of the reason they don't contact me is because I've always thought that it was important to have that division between my personal life and school because, you know, again, there's, you know, personal life and school. And so they don't, but they, a few have come back on Facebook like, I found you, Mrs. Avery. How are you doing? You know, kind of thing. So once they're older, then I have a little bit more contact, but yeah, it was mostly when they came back. Um, it's so heartwarming whenever I would get a thank you card from those seniors as well. You know, they would send it to the school. Thank you. I remember second grade because of A, B, or C. And then just the other day, I was at the grocery store. It was just amazing because I was walking through the parking lot and the kiddo was um, pushing the carts, you know, getting them put in. And he's like, Mrs. Haver, do you remember me? It's like, well, yeah, Ryan, how are you doing? He's like, I'm graduating. And not only am I graduating with my diploma, I'm going to be graduating with my associate's degree and I'm going to be heading off to college to become a history teacher. And so just because I live in the community I used to teach in, those kinds of connections are just always so special to me. That sounds that, that sounds pretty cool. So out of uh, 27 years, what was your favorite part of second and third grade to, to teach the kids? Hmm. That's a good one. Field trips are always a blast. Um, you know, that, that doesn't count. Getting that doesn't count. Okay, fine. Um, I did a really amazing insect unit for quite a while, and we would turn um, the insects into a great big poster, and then the kids would get up and talk about the different body parts and the life cycle and things like that. And they absolutely loved that. And then, of course, we'd go out and try to catch the insects out of out of the play yard and things like that. That was always amazing. And then another after school event is we had a science a safety fair. And that's where we would actually teach bicycle safety, um, fire safety. We brought in helmets for the kids and things like that. And the kids really enjoyed bringing their bikes to school and getting to ride around a track, you know, try to do their hand signals and all that kind of stuff. So those kinds of things were always amazing. That sounds like fun. I, I wish I had a teacher like you growing up because <laughs> most of mine, I'm not, I'm not saying all, but I had some good teachers that I remember. <clears throat> of course, all mine are a lot older now. But uh, I think your site, uh, what you're doing now with the homeschooling and the, and the parent coaching also, I think that's going to be a lot more rewarding for parents in the long run, and they're going to see bigger gains with their kids if the parent understands what is going on. Right. So I'm really rooting for you. I'm in your corner. Thank you. Um, I really hope you blow this up because uh, a lot of people are looking to go to homeschooling, and but they need that help. Um, I was going to ask you, though, so when at homeschooling – so all the accreditations and everything, you guys have all that for the homeschooling and. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm a licensed teacher, the program that I'm with will have um, proper accreditation things. But also, even if you don't go with the homeschool doesn't get really accredited, but there's still ways that you log things, you write things down that totally covers everything. So don't be afraid of that. You might need some coaching and guidance as to how to write things down on a transcript for your homeschool child, but it's completely possible and plausible for them to go on to college and stuff if that's what they choose. One of the things that we think about at Vibrant Family, though, is that not all kids are made for school. 
not all kids are made for college, right? So we really want to make sure that in our program, we're having kids explore what they want to do. And because a lot of our families are probably either small business owners or entrepreneurs because they have that freedom to be with their child and do the program at home. Think about all these kids are going to grow up watching that and know how to do that if that's where they want to go as well. Yeah, and I think that's uh, our public schools push college college and universities on every kid. And I guarantee you my teachers could have looked at me and been like, no, he ain't going. No, he can't even sit still for five seconds. He's, he's sitting there turning upside down in the middle of class and doing all this whatever. I, I was just whatever. Yeah, it's you like, know, there's kids who want to go to college or want to be something that has to have college, doctors, lawyers, teachers, et cetera. You know, absolutely. Help them. Help them. But all but of those, all those- don't need to do that or don't necessarily want to do that, let's get them back into the trades. Let's get them back into other things that help our society. Because how many homeowners don't know how to fix a drain anymore? How many homeowners don't know how to do the simplest thing around their house? And so we need those trades people, and we're losing that all the time right now. I don't think people realize they've learned this little basic household upkeep and car maintenance, how much money they would actually save when oh, yeah. first going to a mechanic or calling out a repairman or you know stuff like that for the small small stuff. Mm-hmm. So but I appreciate you coming on, Christina. Um and I hope the best of luck for you and your husband. How long have you been married now? Thirty two years. Ooh, I got a long way to go. I'm only at thirteen. So <laughs> Yeah, and I also have two two grown boys, so yes. But I appreciate being here. Thank you for letting me talk to your group. And absolutely, you know, guys, just give give me a call. Give Send me a message. I'll be happy to talk to anybody. Let me help you with education and your child's success. Of course, we'll do. And this wraps up this episode of the Swan Dingo Files with Christina, improving homeschooling and helping improve parents so that way they can help their kids more in life. That's all for this time. Thank you. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swandingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. But with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking, and keep Swandingoing.